God has put on my heart. At the end of the day, you should be asking God this morning, what have you got to say to me this morning? Not what the preacher said. What does God have to say to me this morning? So ask God to speak to you this morning. Ask him to give you something to get hold of. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help us within that. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, Lord, we want to praise you this morning that we're found in your house to meet with you and your people and to be around your word, Lord. And we pray this morning, Lord, that it is your word that goes out this morning. I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that you help us in what you have to say to us. You really bless us within that. Just open our hearts to it, Lord. You know, we all have things going on within our lives. We pray that you take that away now, Lord, and just get our minds and our hearts set on you, Lord, to see what you have for us. So please, Lord, go before us. And please bless us because we ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going through this mini-series in uh, Psalm 9 and 10. Next week we'll be back in Luke. But uh, Pete started us off last week in Psalm 9. And, you know, just a recap on that. You know, last week we were seeing David, who this psalm, who's, who's doing the psalm, is glorifying God. He's thanking God for his goodness. You know, in verse 1 of Psalm 9, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. You know, this morning, our God is good. And he has wonderful deeds for his people. And we should give thanks to our God this morning. Because he is a great God. And the verse 2 he says, I am glad and rejoice in you. And I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. So we see from last week, we see a man who is praising and thanking God for his goodness. And in verses 8 and 9, sorry, 9, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, 8 and 9 he says, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for, throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges all the people with it with equity. The Lord is a refuge and oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So we see a man who's confident in God in every situation because he knows that his God is someone who can be trusted in trouble. But then we come to verse, verse to Psalm 10 today. And as we begin a Psalm 1, sorry, Psalm 10, verse 1, we find a different saying. Let's listen to what David says here. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Well, what a difference to what we've just been hearing and what we heard last week. What a difference in what we're seeing. Here's a question for us this morning. What are we thinking about God this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, because it is so easy to praise God and thank God things are going well, isn't it? God's great then, isn't he? You know, job's going well, got a great home, got a great family, things are going well. You're brilliant, Lord. But what about when times of trouble come? Is God still great? Because if you're someone here this morning who's a Christian, or was thinking of becoming a Christian, and think, well, everything should be going well. But let me tell you this this morning. The Lord Jesus tells us this. You're to take up your cross daily. And if you're to take up your cross daily, Jesus is saying this, being a Christian isn't an easy ride. In fact, living in this world is not easy, especially for a Christian. And David is finding out here this morning 
life is tough. Life is hard. And you know, when he says, why Lord do you stand far off? Why do you hide in times of trouble? He hasn't given up on God. It's because he loves God that he's saying this. And today, you know, we're going to look at three things from this psalm this morning. There may be four, because Dave's given me another one this morning. And I don't mind rubbing other people's thoughts, you know, I really don't. <laughs> but the first one is this, reminding God. The second one is remembering God. And then we're going to finish off with rejoicing and responding to God. Do you like that one, Dave? I do. <laughs> I really do. I thank Dave for that one as well. <laughs> But beginning with reminding God, because, you know, here's David. You know, he is a man after God's own heart. He loves God. He's not perfect, but he does love God. But more importantly, God loves him. And if you're a Christian this morning, God loves you. He cares for you. That's why we love him, because he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. But he's in this situation where he's got trouble. Things are getting on top of him. And he's crying out to God and he's saying, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? It's a big difference what we heard in verse 9 of the last psalm, when he said the Lord is a stronghold in times of trouble. And he's saying, where are you? You know, can you not see what is going on? I just wondered this morning where you are in your life. Do you have trouble in life? And if you do, do you feel like David this morning? Do you feel that the Lord is standing off? Do you feel that he's hiding? But you know, David, when he's saying this, he's being bold. It's because he loves God and he knows that God loves him. He's actually crying out and he's saying, you know, Lord, you are who you say you are and your promises mean everything. And that's why I'm crying out to you. Where are you? That's not a bad thing, you know. And when I was an early Christian in my life, when I first started going to church, my pastor always used to say from the front, throw your promises back to God. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a go at that. Sounds good to me. Whenever I prayed to throw my promise back, and let me tell you this, God never let me back, and never will. He fulfills everything he says he will. What is bringing him down? What is really, really bringing this man down? And from verses 2 to 11, you know, we find out what it truly is. You know, what's getting to David is he's overwhelmed by what he is seeing. Because what he's seeing is the wicked and the way that they're behaving and the way that they're going on. You know, firstly, they've got no time for God. Secondly, they're overriding people for their own gain. They don't care. They're just pushing them out the way for what they want. And lastly, they're so arrogant, they think they're going to get away with it. And what's really getting to David, he's seeing this, and he says, in um, verse, where are we? Verse 5, I think it is. Yeah, verse 5, he says, his ways are always prosperous. And he's thinking, right there, Lord, can you not see what is going on? These people have got no time for you. These people are just overriding the people. And thirdly, they're arrogant. They think nothing's going to happen to them. And they're prospering. 
They are prospering. And isn't it true today when we look into the world and we see what's going on outside? It looks like that, doesn't it? Because, you know, outside the world has no time for God. It doesn't care for his ways. It has no time for helping other people out. It's all about me. And there's an arrogance that says, nothing's going to happen. But the truth is, it will. And we'll find that out a bit later. But just look at some of these things, you know, of what the wicked look like. You know, verses 3 it says, He boasts about his cravings in his heart, he blesses the greedy, and he reviles the Lord. He reviles the Lord. This is the God that gives them life. And then in verse 4 he says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek it, and all his faults is no room for God. He's got no room for God. And finally in verse 11 he says, He says to himself, God will never notice, he covers his face and never sees. He thinks God's nobody. He has no time for him. We have no time for him. And then in verses 2, he says, His arrogance to wicked man hunts down the weak, who are caught in the schemes of revilers. We've got no time for people. And verses 8, 9, and 10 again, David is saying, Look how they're treating people for their own gain and their own greediness. Can you not see, Lord? But in verses 6, 11, David says to him, this is their attitude. Nothing will ever shake me. He swears no one will ever do me harm. And verse 11 says, God will not notice he covers his face. And it's really hurting them to see how the wicked are going about treating people, treating God, and their arrogance thinking nothing's going to happen. I wonder this morning, how do we feel as we look out? Does it hurt us when people have no time for God? Does it hurt us when we see people mistreat other people? Does it hurt us when we see the arrogance of this world that have no time for God? Do we really care about that? David truly is a man of God. He really is. But what he's doing here, he's reminding God of what is going on. And he's saying, why? Where, what are you going to do about it? And it's not a bad thing, you know. Because it's good to remind God of the things that are going on within the world. But more important, within our own lives as well. But I do believe also here, you know, there's a great, great lesson we need to get hold of as well. Because, you know, David, we have seen in, the, in our last psalm, he really is rejoicing in God. But here we see a man who's really being overwhelmed by what he's seen and what is going on. And in some ways, what we see, that David, in some way, his joy of God is being taken away. Because unfortunately, what he's seeing is bringing him down. And isn't it true for ourselves sometimes today? You know, in our lives, that, you know, we are so caught up with what is going on within our life that it takes our eyes off God. That we forget the great God that he is. That the God is working at all times through all things. We are so easily brought down. Now I look at my own life at times, and let me tell you this, 
My God has blessed me so much and gave me so much. But I'm so easily brought down when I get caught up with maybe things in work, maybe things in church, whatever it may be. And it takes me off the beauty of Jesus. How about you this morning? Are the things in your life taking your eyes off the things of God? Now I'm not having a go with David here because what David is saying is true. And he is bold. And he's reminding of God what is going on. And it's good for us to do that as well. But it's also good to remember that in every situation, wherever our life is, we need to do what we were singing before, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Because when we do that, whatever the problem may be, when we look to Jesus, the Lord will help us to overcome that problem. Whatever it may be. And I know within this church, there are many who are going through difficult times at the moment. I know that. To turn our eyes upon him. But don't be scared to be bold and ask Jesus in into what is going on within your life. But you know, we see there how God, sorry, how David reminds God of all that is going on and he's calling to for his help because he expects his help. But now we're going to look at remembering God. Because there's a wonderful thing here with David from verses 12 to 15. He says, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he will not call me to account? But listen to 14, he says, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account. For their wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. And what I really love about this part is that, you know, David, he's calling God to arise, to deal with the situation that is getting on. The funny thing is, God doesn't need to be told to arise. He is about his work, isn't he? But what I love about this, in some ways, we see that David arises. He takes his eyes off what's going on, and he gets them back on God. And I love verse 14. Listen to what he says again. But you, Lord, sorry, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The, fi- the victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fathers. What he's doing, he's getting his eyes back on God, and he's seeing that God is who he says he is. I wonder this morning, do we need a but you moment in our lives? And what I mean by that is to take our eyes of what's going on, but to get them back on God. Reminding ourselves is God is who he says he is. He sees the trouble. There's nothing that goes on in our life that God does not see. It doesn't take him by surprise, you know. He knows what's going on. He considers the grief and takes it in hand. Isn't that good this morning to know? That God considers their grief and takes it in hand. There's a confidence for us this morning, isn't it? In the lives that we have, if we're following Jesus, that he considers all that's going on within our lives and takes it in hand. I'm thankful for that this morning, you know. I really am. And he says, the victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper 
the betrothals. You know, David is, is remembering God and reminding himself who God really is. That he is not far off, he is not hiding, but he is dealing in his way, in his time. It's a popular terms for us, you know, as Christians. We want God to deal with the situation now. You know, remember this in everything that goes on within the lives that we have. Everything is for the glory of God. You know, and he deals it in his way and his time. And I just wonder this morning for us, as we seek to serve our God, as we seek to know our God in the lives that we have, within our homes, within our jobs, within our church, whatever it may be, do we have our eyes upon God? Do we remember that this God is the one that promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Just remind ourselves of that. Do we remind ourselves this, that we only belong to God this morning because he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live the life and to pay the price that we never could. We belong to him because of his love. Do we remind ourselves this morning that we love him because he first loved us? We need to get our eyes upon Jesus. We need to understand and know his ways. And David is reminding himself here that his God sees all things. That his God will take care of all things. And his God, he's not asleep. He's awake and he's going about his business. And as for the wicked, they may think that they're going to get away with it. But God will deal with it. That's what he's saying. God will deal with it. And if you're someone here today or watching at home, and you're not a Christian, and you think... Well, you know, life can just go as it is. Let me tell you this. One day you will have to stand before God. And one day you will have to answer for that life that you have. Because when you look at the wicked man, and we've just seen how he has no time for God, as he has no time for people, and he's arrogant. But let me tell you this. That is each and every one of us this morning. To those who have come to Jesus and repented of that and said sorry and asked him into our lives, he's forgiven us for that. But you've never done that. That's where you stand this morning. And you need Jesus to come in to take that away. And do not let the day pass you. Please, ask him in. Come away from that wickedness and come into his goodness. David did. He knew God. He knew his love. And when he remembers him, he reminds himself how good that God is. How good that God is. Now in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, just listen to this to remember how good our God is. Now just listen to this. This was the very first verse in my life that I um, memorised. And it reminded me, you know, of Charlie's Chocolate Factory. Because remember the... The gobstopper where they the, the food and they get different taste and different taste and different taste. You know, when I memorised this verse, it was just like that different taste, getting more and more of it. The more I memorised, the more I got of it. And that's why it's good to remember God, you know. The more we remember him, we feast on him and we think about him, it reminds us of his love and the taste is so amazing. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. But listen to what it says in Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what David's saying. You know, but you, God, if you're for us, who can be against us? Because you're the beginning and the end. Isn't that special this morning? If God is for us, who can be against us? But he doesn't leave it there in uh, Romans. Listen to this, he says. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, our God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, so we could be part of his family. But he didn't just stop there, you know. He says, gracefully, he gives us all things. So whatever you're facing today, remember this. First, remember, God has proved his love to you because his son died on the cross and rose again for you. You were saved this morning. And if you're not a Christian, you can have that. Come see me at the end if you're not, I'll speak more about that. But if you are a Christian, God has done that for you. But he doesn't stop there, he says. He's going to keep graciously giving you all things in every way for everything. Be like David. Get back to that but you moment and remember he sees the trouble of the afflicted. He considers their grief. He takes it in hand. The victims, he commits themselves. They commit themselves to him because he is the helper of the fallen. If he just wants to be your helper this morning, he really does. But I want to finish off, you know, because this is a journey where we see David at the beginning of where he cries out, Why? And now he's back to waiting on God, looking to God, you know, literally memorizing God, understanding who God really is, that he is going to act and do what he says he does. And because of that, we find in verses 16 to 18, we find that the joy comes back. He is worshiping his God now. He's rejoicing in God. And as David said, he's also responding to God's love, isn't he? Just listen to what it says in verse 16 to uh, 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The, no the nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, are the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry. Defending the fathers and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never strike terror. You know, what he's doing here, he is worshipping his God. He's saying, you, Lord, are king forever and ever. Whatever may be going on now, that'll pass. But you won't. You're forever. And you know, this morning, remember this. If you're a Christian this morning, and you belong to God through Jesus Christ, you're part of the everlasting. Now, our God is forever and ever. He's the one that began and he's the one that will end this world. The wicked may think they're going to get away with it, but our God won't let that. And we can worship that this morning. Our God is going to put things right because he's a righteous God. He's a God that will deal with all things. You know, when he says, you, Lord, are the desire of the afflicted, encourage them and listen to their cry. I wonder this morning, do you feel down? 
Do you fear that no one sees your problems? David's saying in his worship here, because David felt like that, but now he's saying something else. You hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. And that's what God is to us. He hears, he encourages, and he listens to our cry. So when we had our little get-together this morning, the thing that we started off with this morning was this. Cast your care upon him because he cared for you. There's no one but no one within this world who cares for you more than Jesus. Look at that. Not our husbands, not our wives, not our kids, not our best friends. Only Jesus cares for us, truly. He really does. And in verse 18 he says, Defending the fatherless and the oppressed so the mere earthly mortals can never strike again. So what he's saying here is, you will have the victory. Evil will be overcome. Good will reign. So, you know, as we go about our lives living for Jesus, it is a tough road. It ain't easy. It's not easy as a church, but it's not even our individual lives. We face all sorts of attacks. We face all sorts of situations. But we need to remember this. Firstly, like David, we need to keep on calling on God, seeking of his, his help, seeking of his ways. Secondly, we need to be reminding ourselves of God. We're going to be doing that a bit later on. That's why God gives us this table to take the bread and the, the, bread and the wine. It's not there, it's just what we do each week, you know. It's so we can come back and remind ourselves how God loves us so much for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, can I just say this? Wherever you are in your life this morning, you need to rejoice in your Lord. And how do you rejoice in God? Well, as Dave reminded me this morning, we need to respond by what we know and what we mind ourselves in. To keep on going for him. Even when it's tough. Even when you feel everything's against you, you can't see God. Get back into his word, get back on our knees and asking God to help us to rejoice and respond to the love that he has for us. Because remember this, we're told this in God's word. We love him because he first loved us. You know, you can't love God until you first let him love you. The problem sometimes, especially with religious people, you know, they're trying to love God before they let him love him first. But you truly want to know God and you want to know his riches and you want to know his grace and you want to become part of his family. There's one thing you have to do first. You have to let him in. Stop trying to earn his love. Just accept what Jesus has done for you. And when that truly happens, then you'll know what it means to love Jesus because you're responding to the love that's Jesus has for you. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to pray. Then Chris and the team are going to come up and lead us in worship. But if there's someone here today who doesn't know God, please consider what you've heard this morning and if you want to speak later, come on. Let's just pray. Lord, once again, we just want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you came into this world just to save us from our, ourselves, Lord. And we just pray that you help us now, Lord, indeed.
We worship you. Get our eyes upon you. In Jesus' name.